everyone. Welcome to another episode of Podcast on Fifth. It's good to be back. I feel like I've missed for three months, but it's nice to be back with you all, especially in the flurry of events this past week with the trade deadline. It kind of felt like, will they do anything? Maybe they're not going to do anything. And then all of a sudden, I was driving to Milwaukee and I checked. I think it was 302. I saw that they made a move of consequence right then and there. And I was like, yes, this is it. This is it. But they did make a couple moves yesterday. We're recording on Tuesday. So the trade deadline did happen yesterday. They traded for a defenseman from Winnipeg, Nathan Beaulieu. And then they also got Ricard Raquel from Anaheim, which was a a pretty big get considering what they gave or didn't give up to, to get him. How are we feeling about these trades? Yeah, I mean, to start with, with Nathan Beaulieu, that's really a depth move. Um, they're pretty much getting him for free, and he might not ever play a game for, for the Penguins. Um, he is on LTIR. Burke uh, did say that he, they don't expect him back until the playoffs, and even then, you know, when he comes back, he's probably an eighth defenseman. So he might not ever play a game. Uh, what the Penguins gave up for him, it's a conditional seventh-round pick, and in order for the pick to transfer... Um, the Penguins have to make it to the cup final and he has to play in at least half of those games. So I, I, I don't see him, you know, even if they get to the final, I don't see him playing in half of those games. So this is like a nothing trade for nothing. But yeah, Raquel, that's the big one. When I think when you first look at what the Penguins gave up, you're like, oh my, oh, this is a lot for a guy who is a you know pending unrestricted free agent this summer. They gave up Zach Aston Reese, Dominic Simone, two, two depth guys that, you know, Simone probably wasn't going to be in the lineup anyway as the Penguins start to get healthy. Um, Aston Reese, you know, he has been in and out of the lineup a couple games as of late. Um, and then it's the the second-round pick in 2022, and then goalie prospect Callie Klang, who was their third-round pick in 2020. I think those kind of sting a little bit more, but then when you think about it, whoever they would have picked in the second round – First of all, when you get, you know, out of the first round, it is kind of a crapshoot. Like, for those players, it's a real gamble. really doesn't work out uh, sometimes. And that kid you take in the second round, by the time he's ready to make it to the NHL, if he is ever ready to make it to the NHL, this core is going to be gone. And the Penguins are going to be a basement team. And that second round pick is not going to move the needle much one way or another. So it's really not that big of a deal. Callie Klang, that kind of sucks. <laughs> he was one of their – I definitely put him in, like, one of their top ten prospects going into this. But if you were going to part with any prospect, it, it, it goalie is an area where they could afford to move a guy. Joel Blomquist, he was the other goalie they took in that draft. He is their top goalie prospect. He was – you know, he was probably a step ahead of Klang. They still have him. You have Philip Lindbergh, who isn't going to play for the rest of the season in Wilkes-Barre. He's still hurt, but he had you know real promise beginning of the season. Um, and then you have Taylor Gauthier, who they, they just signed out of Portland um, as an undrafted free agent. And he's putting up like stupid numbers in the WHL, like stupid good. <laughs> um, it's, so he's someone really kind of an exciting pickup. And I think you know picking up Gauthier kind of did make, make Klang uh, – expendable so you look at the pieces they are pieces with value but maybe not that much value to the penguins whereas Raquel a lot of value 
And I think too, like a lot of people will look at, oh my gosh, they got rid of Zach Aston Reese. Oh my gosh, they got rid of Dominic Simone, which I will say I learned this yesterday. My mom was a ginormous Zach Aston Reese stan <laughs> to the point where she, when I broke the news to her, she was devastated because she thinks that's the best hockey name on the entire planet. <laughs> So uh, Liz Harner had a little uh, little dagger yesterday. She was uh, a little bummed about that. But when you look at the guys that they gave up and just the lack of production from them, I know when you look at analytics, they both have a lot of strong things that they bring to their game, obviously, especially Zach Aston Reese on the penalty kill. But at the end of the day, too, you're a forward. You should be scoring. That's what this team has been missing. That's what they've been looking for in this secondary scoring. And they found that in Ricard Raquel. They hope he'll be able to kind of solve those secondary scoring woes. And it really seems like he probably will be able to. Um, Megan Shakaya, who I just absolutely love for all she does for hockey and for analytics along those lines. But she had so many interesting things about his strengths and what he brings. He gets to scoring area as well. He has a shoot first tendency. He's uh, generates offense off the rush. He's really good in puck supporting positions. You hear all that and you're like, this sounds like the perfect winger to put on Evgeny Malkin's line. It just fits too perfectly. Yeah. yeah and he is a guy too that can play on, I was going to say on either wing, so he does give him really mm -hmm. a lot of flexibility for who that other winger is. So whether yeah. it's Kapanen or Zucker who, you know, play on Malkin's on wing, you know, Raquel could also be that other guy. So it really does give him a lot of options, even on, you know, Malkin's line. Absolutely. And Jenna, you mentioned the lack of finishing. All, all of the goaltending issues aside in the past, the past playoff seasons – the Penguins have really struggled to finish. Even even if Jari had been playing lights out last year, even if Matt Murray had been total lockdown against the Canadians and the bubble, they really just struggled to score. They had such a hard time finding the net. And it wasn't for lack of talent. It was just for lack, their luck has not been on their side in, in the postseason with scoring goals and I think that having a guy for the second line for Evgeny Malkin on whichever side he ends up playing is going to be huge because we've seen it and I feel like we've said it before too all it takes is one puck to go in and then the floodgates could open so I think that that is just a huge thing for them and obviously Dom Simone had a bit of a cult following headed up by Taylor and Zach Aston Reese, even he was he was pretty well liked here. But when it comes down to it, the the common theme across people covering the team across fans was they need a goal scorer. They need somebody to come in who can help out the top six because Sid and Jake and Brian Rust aren't scoring. Nobody's scoring, and that that needed to change. And that very well could change now that they have Raquel in the lineup. Will we will we see him tonight against Columbus? That's the question. Yeah, well, so uh, Sullivan did say he'll play against Columbus. Uh, so again, we're recording this on Tuesday because of travel. Jen and I are both traveling on Wednesday when we normally record. We're both traveling to Buffalo. Um, so we're recording early. This drops Thursday still. Raquel's going to have played two games by the time you listen to this. But yeah, he'll, he'll play uh, yeah. against 
yeah, Columbus. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, where he fits in. We have to talk about his dog is named Heinz. Like, spelled Boom. like the ketchup. Yup. He was destined to be a penguin. It's like, why did it take him this long to get here? His dog is named Heinz. I mean, you look at Zach Aston Reese's dog, Carl. Um, big loss, big shoes to fill. It's uh, It was an Italian greyhound. He used to dress him up in sweaters. But um, you ship out Carl, you bring in Heinz, Raquel. I mean, if you look at the dogs, in terms of dogs, it, this is um, it's a good trade. <laughs> The fair, fair trade, no doubt. His <laughs> style also, can we just like, this, Taylor and I, when we were waiting for um, Ron Hextel to speak at the Penguins facility on Monday after the trade deadline, we're going through Instagram. We're, you know, seeing what we can find. I mean, look at, come on, come on. This was, I believe, at his bachelor party. I believe he just got married recently. Um, but like, Lederhosen, I'm in. Like, if he's not a fan favorite funny. already. Also, fun fact of the year in the deep dive, he, for his wife on their wedding, learned in secret how to play the saxophone and <laughs> serenaded her and the entire wedding party at the wedding. So, like, dude is already, like killing it. I'm, I, I can't wait to talk with him and just kind of hear, you know, see his personality, see how he does fit into this locker room. Cause I think it's going to be an intriguing one. Yeah. He's going to be fun to watch on and off the ice. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to the addition of Raquel. Let's take a quick break and we will be right back. And we're back. Like we mentioned, the trade deadline for the NHL was this past Monday. And there was some other noteworthy news that happened across the league. My goodness, Claude Giroux, he's in Florida now. Marc-Andre Fleury, bless his soul, is out of that uh, bottomless pit of an organization. And he's in Minnesota. And Congratulations there was even, to him. Yes, I, seriously, I, I'm so happy for him <laughs> because, God, that was terrible. Uh, it was just not a good fit. And then there is also a trade that happened that may not be happening now with Evgeny Dadanov. Uh, so, man, let's let's kind of break this down. What is yeah. what is going on? The so the Dadanov thing is just super weird. So he was traded from Vegas to Anaheim. It was one of those ones that came in kind of right at, at the deadline, and. It was that night, I, Vegas tweeted, like, we've become aware of an issue with the trade. We'll let you know more, I know, when it comes out. And, you know, I think there's speculation at first that it wasn't um, submitted, you know, right, you know, b- before 3 o'clock. They missed the deadline by a bit, which would make it invalid. Um, it turns out that's not the case. It has more to do with his no-trade clause. He had a no-trade clause, a modified one. He has a 10-team no-trade list. And Anaheim was on his list but he got traded to Anaheim and there's still stuff comes out more, you know, like by the hour, it seems of like, how, how did this happen? Um, I think there was um, talk at first that maybe, you know, they did not submit his no trade clause. Like he, as in he and his agent did not submit it properly. And um, 
or you know they they missed the deadline, but it turns out that's not the case. Um, it just sounds like Vegas didn't know he had it, um, which is just fascinating how this could happen. I mean, so w- again, we're recording this Tuesday. More could come out, but Elliot Friedman two hours ago, yeah, he said um, somehow. So backstory: Dadnov, he was traded from Ottawa to Vegas previously. Vegas was one of the teams he was allowed to be traded to. Um, he said the latest on Dadnov, somehow on the trade call from Ottawa to Vegas, um, the Golden Knights and, and the NHL were led to believe that the no-trade clause protection had either expired or not been filed properly. But there is correspondence proving that the no-trade tra- paperwork was filed correctly and on time on June 30th. So <laughs> it's, it's really a no-win situation for, for Dadnov. It doesn't seem like it, this is in a situation where you know he can just choose what happens, but it seems like the NHL is going to come up with a ruling um, and he's going to have to, to stick with it. Either, you know, you, he stays in Vegas and, you know, then he's with a team that just paid a draft pick to get rid of you. Um, then it, that didn't happen. Or he goes to Anaheim, which is a team he didn't want to play for. That was on one of his um, no trade teams. So, uh, yeah, not great for him. And it, again, this is crucial for Vegas because if they can't afford to keep him, um, he does not fit into their cap, which is you know why why they got rid of him now. So if they keep him, you know they have guys on LTIR to activate those guys on LTIR. Um, if this is what ends up happening, you would still have to make a trade. Now the trade deadline, it, it's the deadline, but you can still make trades after the deadline. It's just that if a player is traded after the deadline. He is not eligible to play for the rest of the season with his team. So we might see something like where the NHL says, you know, D- Vegas has to keep that and off. He can't go to Anaheim. He didn't want to go there. Um, and then Vegas has to, you know, make a trade and dump a player somewhere where they won't be able to play for the rest of the year. It just It's just a mess. And you have to wonder, like, how could this happen? What kind of database is the NHL using to keep track of this stuff? Because, like, Cap Friendly had that he had a no-trade clause. So – if it's in cap friendly, how how did like the Ve- Vegas and the NHL just not know and let this happen? Right, you have to wonder like who's in charge when it comes to all of this. You like <laughs> who's the person that's like double checking and did they triple? Like I don't know about you guys, but when I'm going through things and I need to make sure I did something the right way, I'm like, hey, do you want to double check this? Hey, can you double check this? So you would assume right that people in Vegas are doing that. You know, the NHL themselves is doing that. Yeah, it kind of feels like a situation where the inmates are running the asylum. It's like, what is going on here? This is a mess. Oh, my God. But it's entertaining as I get out. And it sounds like, you know, because this is one of the ones that, like, apparently was submitted, you know, right before three. There's a lot of chaos, apparently, in, like, NHL Central Registry leading up to this time. You know, so the deadline is at 3 o'clock. Deals are often announced after three. They just have to be in the queue, like in the call to central registry before three o'clock. So, you know, we didn't find the full details of the the Penguins Raquel trade until like five o'clock. Um, yeah. It took that long for it to, you know, officially go through and them to, you know, make the announcement and all. But I mean, like Yarmo Kekalainen and the Blue Jackets GM, he spoke a little after three, like 3.30-ish. And he said that there were, at that time there were 33 calls in, in the queue. And so I, I don't know how, you know, when it's that many lined up, you know, right at the deadline, I can see why 
I guess it's, they don't all get a ton of individual attention, but still it, I, I think this does come back on Vegas of like, how do you not like look into the sky's contract that you just acquired from Ottawa? Um, but just Jen and I, we, Jen, we were talking about this because we were sitting together like at the Lemieux complex waiting for this all to like happen. We're like, what, what happens like on these calls? Like when they're in the queue, like who is on the phone? Is it like, <laughs> is there like a, like a message that play, like is the music that plays? Do we get, like, is it good? Do they at least give them, like, in my mind, honestly, they should play, like, the best highlights of the year up to this point, just so you can, like, hear it go all the way through. Because in my mind, I'm picturing, like, Taylor and I were saying, you know, one of the one of the scouts or, you know, somebody on the phone waiting, has it on speaker, sitting on the table, and it's playing, you know, the dumb everything hold music that we hear anytime you call anybody. <laughs> and then every so often, like um Gary Bettman's voice pops in it's like you are number 22 in the queue and then it just goes back to the old music like it has right like I need the insight to that mm-hmm. yeah uh, how else would they keep track you would you wouldn't know I would hop off the yeah. call I'd be like then forget it I don't care I'm done like I'm done I don't want to be on hold for an hour and a half NHL I don't know the it, train it wasn't was- that important it was funny because, I mean, what well, Burke had gone on, you know, like TSN, like just before, and he kind of, you know, gave the impression that the Penguins weren't going to do anything, you know, leading up to the deadline. This was maybe two hours before three o'clock. And I was sitting, um, you know, because the Penguins had a practice that day. So we're at the Lemieux Complex. And if you sit, like, up top at the Lemieux Complex, you can see into, like, their offices, like, not well, but you can mm-hmm. see, like, movement or whatever. And, like, I'm sitting there. I'm like, they're obviously working on something because, like, I mean, they're about, we're on a big conference table. It's like Sullivan's in their front office, you know, Hex Stahlberg, and um, they keep going like back and forth up to a whiteboard. And like, Hex <laughs> would get up like every 10 minutes, go to the whiteboard and like do this and like move stuff around and like write and like race stuff. And I'm like, dang, I was like, something's coming. But, um, but that's, yeah, things <laughs> that's so close to the deadline. Uh, this is how the teams do it. And then, yeah, you end up with 33 calls in the queue because everyone waited until the, the last minute. And there was even two, you know, reporters were tweeting, you know, beat reporters from teams are just tweeting, you know, it's six o'clock, six fifteen, and they still haven't heard from the GMs yet. And again, it just all, it's that trickle down effect. But at some point I'm like, we, there, there has to be a better way to do this. There's gotta be, a better way, a digital system, maybe. Again, I, we've, you know, I don't know about you guys. I do not know any of the intricacies of the central registry in the system. It honestly sounds like we're talking some Harry Potter stuff here. <laughs> um, but like, oh my gosh, just there has, there, there's got to be a better way, right? There just has to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There, uh, by the way, moment. we have. We have to mention other a couple. There are a couple of former Penguins on the move, other than Fleury. Broussard got traded to the Oilers. Honestly, don't uh, I forgot about him. The the funniest <laughs> thing though is um, uh, Daniel Sprong. He got traded to to Seattle, and then Seattle uh, Seattle also claimed Derek Pouliot off a of waiver. So it's like they're just collecting like Penguins uh bust uh, you know high draft picks it's like if Bo Bennett was healthy it's I'm pretty sure he'd be a Kraken right now (laughs) I don't know but I I also thought oh my gosh they in Ron Francis when he spoke you know in Seattle their availability he was asked about um 
you know, the trade with Washington to get Daniel Sprung. And so Marcus Johansson was the, the player that went back to Washington. Not even the first player that they just sent back to, like, a team where they came from. <laughs> like, Seattle's, like, undoing a lot of, like, the expansion draft and, like, prior trades and stuff like that. But anyway, it was they, he was asked about, you know, getting Daniel Sprung back in that trade. And he called Daniel Sprung a player that, Washington wanted to, to give him, and that's why it was Daniel Sprung's. <laughs> it's like, why the Capitals were just kind of like, please take this, <laughs> like, please take Daniel Sprung. <laughs> um, so, uh, an- yet another new start for him. How many teams is this now? I mean, a lot, <laughs> yeah. He's been in a couple of organizations now, maybe it could be the fresh start. Both he and Pouliot need, um. It'd be crazy to see them uh, do well together, you know, with the crack. And how many mm-hmm. former Penguins on there now? McCann, Chano, yeah. Alexiag. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. So mm-hmm. I guess best of luck to them. Yeah, Pittsburgh West. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, we all have eyes on Seattle. Hard eyes. <laughs> all right, mm-hmm. let's take another quick break, and we'll be right back. And we're back. There were a couple of other pieces of news in the Penguins organization this past week. Mark Friedman signed a two-year deal, so he and all of Pittsburgh Penguins media are pretty thrilled about that, as well as the fans. I'm, I'm ecstatic to have his personality around a little bit more. Uh, he's just, I mean, Taylor, you've talked about him a bunch before. He's uh, quirky. He's a quirky guy. It it was so funny, yeah. So the he signed the deal the day before the trade deadline. The Penguins practiced the you know the day of the trade deadline, and so you know we get to talk to him after practice about signing the extension, and we're just waiting for you know him to come in or whatever. And he he like kind of struts in, and he has like the biggest smile on his face, and he's like, "Aren't you guys happy?" And he's like, two more years of me," and like we just like. I don't know. No one ever comes in and kind of like makes an announcement like that <laughs> for him to be like, aren't you guys happy you get to keep me around? Because like, I think he knows we like everyone in the like media reporters, like we love his personality because every time he talks, it's like gold. It's like something quotable. The thing he said, you know, in Tampa about how, you know, like they probably have like a picture of me in the locker room now. It's like, I guess I better frame it. Cause like he's going to be around for two more years. <laughs> like, <laughs> But yeah, I just his personality obviously great to keep around. He's can't imagine how he was like disliked in Philly because it seems like all of the Penguins love him. You ask him about him, like they smile, they talk about. Jari called him a great teammate, like unprompted, and um, seems like they all love him. So I don't know what happened in Philly, but um, yeah, he's he's really entertaining. But beyond that, I mean, he's just been been great this season. He's having a career year, not that. The previous year, you know, I mean, twenty game high, twenty games. That's his career high for him, um, and he's just been great. Uh, great depth option. I uh, could be a regular in the lineup. I think if you know there's a spot open, but uh, something. I mean, he's obviously really great at getting under the skin of opponents, and uh, that pays off for the Penguins when it comes to drawing penalties. He's actually one of the most effective um, skaters at when it comes to drawing penalties in the league, if you look at like the rate um, of like penalties drawn per 60 minutes of five on five, 
Among skaters with at least 10 games played, he currently ranks eighth in the league when it comes to like that rate of like drawing penalties. So uh, he's doing a great job, and uh, that's why the Penguins gave him a contract. Yeah, definitely money well earned, and he for sure keeps us all on our toes in terms of what to expect. He's And he's just – all, you can tell that he's kind of a pest on the ice because of the way that he chirps and gets in people's faces. And that does, I, he's, he's really good at, at towing that line of drawing penalties, but not initiating them. And that's what has kind of allowed him to be a really effective player on the ice because he's, He's generating opportunities for the Penguins to be on the man advantage, but he's rarely ever costing them and causing them to be on the penalty kill, which is just, that's what you want if, if you're going to have a player like that. Yeah. And it is such a special skill, too. Like, just the way, I keep going back to the Tampa game. I mean, getting under anybody's skin, I feel like, in the league is probably a little bit of a challenge, but Pat Maroon, who obviously is a guy that wants to fight, but to be able to do that and then be like, yeah, I'm not going to fight you, but like, I'm going to piss you off type thing. That is just like you said, Jordan, the line that he toes is just incredible. And it's just so entertaining. He was, we keep talking about this, but he was mic'd up for that game. The money I would pay that I bet we would all pay collectively for that uncut version. Oh, like, I don't even have words for how incredible that footage must be. And if I'm the person for the Penguins editing that footage, I'm saving that and just like whenever I'm having a rough day, I'm just going to play that because I bet the chirps are phenomenal. Yeah, we we haven't even seen the the cut version of that. We were talking about that. It seems like he's going to be the focus of – well, one of the focuses of the next episode of In the Room, that kind of behind-the-scenes show they do, you can see, like, the In the Room camera following him around, you know, practice the other day. Um, that episode, I think, drops Tuesday, we found out, after whatever that game against the Rangers at home. So we'll see that, you know, censored version of Mike, Mike uh, Mark Friedman mic'd up. But uh, looking forward to that because, yeah, he's just <laughs> such a funny guy. Uh, personality at all. You don't see a whole lot of personality like that you know, in these player interviews, but he's just mm-hmm. um, entertaining. And like you said, going after guys like Pat Maroon, it seems like he always goes after the biggest guy on the ice. I mean, he also went after, you know, Perry in that game and Perry's a big guy too. And mm-hmm. remember what the, it was like one of the other games, um, you know, the Penguins do that, the Penn's predictor, like pick the first goal. And it's like Mike DeFabo t- tweeted, like they should do one, like guess which, opponent is going to try to fight Mark Friedman Friedman first and like I replied I was like all you got to do is like pull up like the game sheet and pick the biggest guy on the team and it's like that same it's like five minutes later he was like going after someone I'm looking I'm like okay that's the biggest guy on the team (laughs) but so that's just what he does and he does it well he sure does and most importantly I think it's time for a facial hair update on the team where things stand because we haven't talked about this in a while and we were saying in between segments uh Kasperi Kapanen shaved off his mustache and then subsequently scored his first goal in like 75 games so we backwards yeah that backwards no so I think he had the mustache 
because he wasn't scoring and then he scored and then he shaved it because the first, you know, it was the game. uh, What all the days run together. Is that Saturday? Mm -hmm. They played whatever the last game it is there when he scored, he had the mustache Mm -hmm. for that. It looked pretty bad. And then he comes, uh, yeah, he he gets on the ice for, for practice on Monday, and the first thing I'm like, oh, we got rid of the mustache, and that's what we all noticed. Like, all the reporters, it's like, we pull up, like, everyone, like, immediately hits, like, you know, the create tweet, and everyone's like, Casper shaved his mustache, because, yeah, I mean, we didn't have, we didn't get a chance to talk to him Monday, but they have to be connected. I think he was keeping the mustache until he scored. Yep. Uh, Can we talk about that celebration when he scored, too? Kissing the stick? Like, Mm -hmm. he joked with with reporters after the game like i just it's been so long like i didn't know how to celebrate <laughs> yeah 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 i mean great for him i there is what i i think you know a lot of people thought that might have been his last game as a penguin and yeah. uh you can tell he was like you know a little like emotional after that game of just how much it meant to him you know not only to score the goal but for the way everyone on the team like rallied around him yeah. um they get they, they he did get the player of the game helmet from Shad Ruedel that game. By the way, when Shad Ruedel passed the helmet off to him, I don't know if anyone heard <laughs> You know, because whenever they hand off the helmet, before they give it to the guy, they'll say, like, Jari, congrats on the whatever, like, great job, whatever, you know. And, but he said, Gino, congrats on a thousand pims because Malkin crossed over the thousand penalty minute career, you know, marker in that game. But <laughs> Ruedel congratulated Malkin on that. You hear Malkin in the back, like, yeah. But um, I don't know, funny stuff. But yeah, a cool third captain to score the goal, but for everyone to be just so happy to see him do, you'd see how much he means to that that locker room. Yeah, they. It was obvious that that was getting super frustrating for him, and it would. It would have to get frustrating because oh my god, that was just. There were so many moments where it felt like he's finally going to do it. He's finally going to do it. And then his bra- it looked like his brain shut down. Like he just completely <laughs> forgot how to skate, how to control the puck. It was just, ah, it was frustrating as a spectator to watch it go down. So, and just, yeah, the, the chemistry in the locker room that they have, that they really were so genuinely excited for him. That's awesome to watch as well, because when you, when you know that your team has your back, that's got, that's got to be another just, huge boost of confidence especially coming right off the heels of scoring your first goal in a really really long time but yeah Yeah. that's that's good for him and hopefully good for the team because if they can if they can get some scoring from him heating up going into the playoffs with the addition of Raquel with hopefully Evan Rodriguez maybe rediscovering his electric level of play it could it could make for a very interesting postseason. We'll yeah. see. But thank you everybody for for tuning Wait, in. Wait, before podcast. we before we oh, go, we got to oh, talk about oh. what, Jenna. You set this one up the the basketball, the knockout. Why are you? <laughs> just another fun You're right. The the basketball. We'll, we'll throw one more fun thing in for uh, for everybody on their Thursdays. Um, but obviously, the NCAA March Madness, the first two rounds, uh, or two yeah, first two rounds of the tournament. Some of the games were here in Pittsburgh over the weekend. Um, and a video from Brian Batco made its way uh, all over social media of the Penguins uh, in street clothes 
playing some basketball. And apparently, I guess the word behind it was that they were at the games. They didn't want to, like, sit in traffic leaving yeah. the games. So Brian Boyle asked around, like, hey, do you have any basketballs? And, like, the whole – all the guys that were there, like, started going out and playing knockout. And, I mean, the – all of it is incredible for so many reasons. If you haven't seen the video, go check it out um, on Twitter. But it's just everything is so fitting about it to me. Like, of course, Sid wins knockout. He takes it super seriously, <laughs> as everybody does. Like, that, you could look at this video over and over and find so many different things. Brian Boyle uh, did not know he was as into skinny jeans as he was. That that was honestly, when I saw that video, I, I see it. I'm like, Brian Boyle's pants are really tight. Like skinny <laughs> jeans. Of anyone that wears skinny jeans on the team, I would not have picked Brian Boyle. I mean, he's 37. He acts like he's much older than he really is. Um, you know, we were talking about it, you know, earlier when, you know, we had, they, he gets asked about the music in the locker room. He's like, yeah, I'm not into what, like, you know, the 20 somethings. I like Billy Joel. It's, he acts a lot older than 37, but yeah, he was in skinny jeans and he did say, cause you know, he was asked about it after practice on Monday and he did say he would have done better in knockout had he, his pants not been too tight. So he knows like he's wearing like exceptionally tight pants, but, um, <laughs> Brian Boyle in a skinny jeans. Yep. And then Almost just like, I mean, Really? You can just watch it over and over. I mean, everything about that video. It just, I did, I saw a comment that was like, this is what it feels like when like all the other athletes take the court at like halftime of a high school basketball game or like after in between like the girls game and the boys playoff games or something. I'm like, that's it. That's exactly what this is. Yeah. yeah but like, like you said, no surprise, Crosby. I feel like what he we have video of him hitting homers out of the park at pnc park when he took batting practice um a couple of years ago they did like a team building thing at west point where they played football he's the quarterback he's throwing touchdown passes to bo bennett and it's so funny like when they interviewed him after that practice that he he's he, he can't ever just not be like serious in like an interview he's talking about it like breaking down the play as if it was a serious game but it's like a fun football game like as a team building thing he's like you know i know Bo. i knew it Bo would be open i to you know get it to him i don't know what he said something like that but yeah but it's not a surprise that crosby won um yeah that's what four sports that he dominates now yep he's just about to take over the entire sports world we knew it we knew it but he's proving it to all of us he's trying to impress lebron james the new owner (laughs) yeah and lebron like still waiting for you yeah anytime you want to join lebron you were here we're here Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just waiting that's fine (laughs) yeah well now Thank you all for listening to Podcast on Fifth Ave. We have new episodes that drop every Thursday, so make sure you're subscribed either to our YouTube channel or wherever it is you listen to podcasts so that you don't miss an episode ever. We will see you again next week.